Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. All righty, here we go then. And uh, Rossa and Tom are joined by Neil Channing as we kick off this week's show. Uh, how do you feel, Neil, to be in the, in the company of two Royal Ascot <laughs> heroes? And you've been fanboying them in the green room as well. I'm a massive fan, actually. I think you've asked me at least three times on this show about jockeys, and every time I've said Ross or Ryan. I, know nobody, I never mentioned anyone else. I don't know whether he knew that. It's terrible, really. Ross, so, Ross is now thinking, oh, my God, I need to get some but, kind of injunction. But, but what a week it must have been for you with, you know, Jimi Hendrix, what price we 25s and, yeah, and yeah, Valiant Falls, 150. What a week you must have had doubling well, of those course, I, I thought to myself, quite correctly, the Hunt Cup was going to be dominated by the stand side, which it was apart from the winner. Yeah, marvellous. Uh, Ross, an amazing week for you. I mean, so many different layers to the story as well with riding a winner for Ammo Racing after your ups and downs and, and won two in the Hunt Cup for Rafe Beckett and you were on the, you were on the right one as well. I mean, how, how are you feeling today? Tired. <laughs> it's been a long week. And, you know, it, it was, I was kind of pinching myself because I looked at all my rides and thought, you know, if they're in the first three massive runs, they just looked that way and the first day they run well and then we start getting winners and it might have been a little downer the last day I thought I thought I'd held on on Curdos for Clive Cox but uh, he, he'll have his day but that's the thing it wasn't just the winners they were all kind of getting there with a shout yeah no exactly but you know if you dive right into their farm they, they were never you know mm. it. they just needed one or two big players not to fully turn up mm. and you know, Ascot is, is, is hard enough at the best of times, but, you know, the the hype and then the heat on top of it all. And I was on, you know, for instance, Anaf, like, he barely broke sweat going to the start when everything else was was down at the start all revy and he was just nice and chilled and Mick had him spot on. And he's run an absolute belter at a, a humongous price and then his two-year-old goes and wins as well. And Tom, for you, uh, h- how much is the is the stable basking in the afterglow of, of Rogue Millennium? Oh, it's, yeah, it's been fantastic, Nick. Um, thrilled for all the lads at home. You know, they work tirelessly, and um, she's a really special filly. And uh, it's great for a small team like ours, who, um, you know, to have a win on a big day really means an awful lot. And just if you were to sum up, uh, Rossa, the the week as a whole, the atmosphere, um, just how the week kind of kind of progressed from from your perspective, how how would you how would you sum it up? A lot better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, when Jimmy won, I think that, that, for us was that was a bit of redemption. Newmark didn't go right. You know, the Lincoln didn't go right. He'd been in all the big mile handicaps, up pre Ascot, 
mm. and never missed a beat. But, you know, I thought it was something else. To, one win on fast ground after winning the Spring Cup so impressively on soft ground and yeah. two to go nine ends clear of the horses on my own group. Like, you know, he had every excuse to throw in the towel, or, yeah. but he didn't and he, he did it the right day, which was great. Genuinely felt felt like a good one. We'll be taking a deeper dive into into some of your your rides and winners a little bit later, and likewise talking about the story behind Rogue Millennium. Uh, but we're going to check in now with a man who had a fantastic week. John Gosden joins us on the line. Good morning, John. Morning, me. Um, a, a, a wonderful week in in so many respects. I I wondered what aspect of it you you felt most pleased with when you got to the end of it. Well, I think first of all they did a great job with the ground. I walked the course with Rachel on Saturday afternoon before, and it had this incredibly dry weather that I think uh, the 10 mil caught a couple of us out on the first day. But uh, overall, that side was very good. The crowd, the enthusiasm, I mean, just, just a great atmosphere throughout the whole meeting. And of course, when you're blessed with beautiful June summer weather, we know very much it, doesn't, it, it truly makes the whole occasion. And I thought the, the king and the queen attending all five days was uh, was a, a complete boost to, to not to Alaska but to British racing as well. From from the Gosden Stable perspective, to what extent was it more satisfying that much of the success that you had was about horses whose future is very much ahead of them, rather than horses that have have already been there and, and done it? Yes, obviously the horse, uh, the horses that won the Queen's Vars and the and the Ascot Gold Cup, uh, they're likely raced at this stage. One is a four-year-old; he's only run uh, that's his fourth run of his life. And uh, Gregory, the three-year-old, obviously that was the third run of his life. So they're, they're great horses to look forward to, and for for next year as well. Not just uh, talking about the autumn, but uh, you know, and, and anything to have horses like that and, and see Mustardap come back where he actually annihilated the field in the Neon Cup in, uh, in Saudi Arabia in, in February. And then he did try and take the race to a certain equinox and, and paid the price uh -huh. back to a mile and a quarter at his best. I thought he showed a devastating turn of foot. So wonderful for Sheikh Ahisa and, and for Shadwell and for uh, you know, owner-bred horses. I'm glad you mentioned equinox because he won about two hours ago. And we're going to be talking to Nahiro Goda about his performance in a few moments' time. It was ridiculously impressive. He wired the field, went round about 20 of them and won a hard on the bridle. But we're going to show you that race in a few moments' time. Um, coming back to Mostadaf, are you absolutely clear in your mind? Because you said earlier in the week he won't step beyond 10 furlongs ever again. Is that, is that very clear in your mind now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, in the case of Equinox, he, he went and sat close to him and tried to race with him. Everyone else quite wisely sat a long way back and mm. came in and picked up the pieces. So we should we, we would have been second. But we thought, well, we're going to give it a go. And that look, that's a mile and a half at, uh, in Maidan on fast ground flat track. And he didn't see it out uh, at that level. And, and, and the stamina kicks in. So we'll stay exclusively at a mile and a quarter with him now. Any, any idea where you will, where you'll head next? Judmont. We said right afterwards, fresh, you know, don't rush to the eclipse two weeks and two days later. Never a wise thing, I find, after they've had a hard race at Ascot. So uh, we'll go to Judmont in August, so it'll, it'll be plenty of time for it. And the, the, the boys who want to run a, a little bit longer, I, I, I'm guessing Gregory's your, your main, main ledger horse. I, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be. 
No, I think fair enough. I think he might look at the Goodwood Cup, the sort of Stradivarius uh -huh. route. Uh, after winning the bars, the three-year-old gets a nice weight pull there. Look at the Goodwood Cup, and then uh, the St. Ledger would probably be the plan with him. And then if he goes to the Goodwood Cup, then you've got Courage Monami just kind of bubbling away, waiting to waiting to play his his next hand. I, I'll talk to you about the, the build-up to the Gold Cup in a minute, but but what's the sort of immediate future for him, do you think? Well, I think uh, just pressing him uh, after that. It, you know, there's a uh, two-and-a-half-mile race that's first time he's run up in his life, it, it takes more out of a horse than you realize. And particularly in that heat and that pace, they went up, I, I mean, Charlie, Charlie Johnson saw seven, seven subjectivists. I mean, he set an amazingly solid pace. And uh, what a horse and what an achievement to bring him back to run at that level yeah, again, absolutely. having sustained the injury he did. But I think to that extent, we won't be in a hurry. We'll probably get one, one run in and then come back to Ascot on Champions Day. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm really interested in the thought process behind behind running the horse in the in the first place because, yeah, just had to look at it again. Only only one run previously on turf, only three runs at all. Not not even a run in a stakes race, and into a into a Gold Cup, as you say, one of the most grueling Group Ones anywhere anywhere in the world, and to win it. Even even you must be a bit a, a bit a bit astonished by by what he's achieved and, and the route that he's taken to get there. Yeah, we were all sitting in the office together going through Ascot entries, and Fady suddenly said, what about this horse for the Gold Cup? And I went, oof, I thought, that is a bold concept. And then I thought, well, hang on, he's owned and bred by Anthony Oppenheimer. He's always very game and a great sportsman. And I looked at him, I said, you know, I think that's a very original and very good idea. So he was put in the race, but if Sadie hadn't come up with it, he, he wouldn't have been there because I probably wasn't going to let my imagination stretch that far. But uh, he's, he's a good-looking horse, and, and of course, you know, he's got stammer on the damn side. We have the mother and, and Adam. So you know with Anthony's uh, families that you you know you're going to... I knew we were going to get two miles. You never know until you run two and a half, you're going to get the next four furlongs. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering whether that's the sort of, that's the sort of manoeuvre that you might have made at the very, very beginning of your of your training career before you'd had enough knocks to take away that kind of that kind of enthusiasm for a project like that? No, I think what happens is we're a little bit inclined along with you. you. You sort of have found a tried and tested methods, and you tend a little bit... I'm driving down a motorway now, and you sort of stay in your lane, you know, that you're comfortable with. And uh, there's no doubt, you know, Sadie was suggesting, you know, looking at the Saudi races, so... You, you need someone with some younger eyes looking because we, we old chaps can get pretty boring and steady, you know. <laughs> to, think he, to think he said, come on, Dad, we've got to roll the big dice. Exactly. Don't be, don't be frightened. Um, and this, this is a, obviously a very exciting horse in the gelding now. We talked to Richard Brown earlier in the week about the, the, new, the new ownership, which is obviously, obvi obviously going to be a pretty big force by the looks of it. Yes, I think they, you know, obviously they bought horses to race down in, uh, in Qatar in the winter racing, which is getting the Middle East racing is getting bigger and bigger, as we all know. But also, I mean, you know, they're, they're looking to buy made horses. They're not easy to find. They were both owner breed of horses, as I emphasized the cost for the British-based owner to run their stud farm with nominations and all the other costs of land and staffing it. And, and Mr. Oppenheimer actually this year is selling all of his colts. And they keep the fillies, obviously, trying to be breeding. But uh, if they have to make it, they have to somehow make the whole thing not just pay, just survive. And that's why both of those were sold. Um, we clearly need to, to address uh, Frankie Dottori, who 
uh, gave so much during the course of the week. I thought the back end of yesterday, he looked absolutely shattered, uh, quite understandably. Um, it's been a, an amazing week for him. Uh, your quote, John, earlier in the week when you said, if you've been married for 30 years and you have one row, that's, um, that, that's not bad going. Um, but I don't think anybody could have foreseen a, a, a rapprochement that, that had quite such a, a happy ending. How do you reflect on it? Well, you know, it's, it, it's getting a bit boring talking about it because we had a disagreement about something with, with the owner there, too, you know, last year. And it took exactly five days to patch it up and move on. Yeah. In no time at all, he's riding through again and winning Group 1 races. So, look, uh, that is way behind and long forgotten in my mind. We were, we were the best and closest of friends. But uh, to see him rise to the occasion, the first day was a little tricky, you know. We got caught up by the ground. And then Spiral came to win a race, and just suddenly that had gone soft, and she just, it just the, the fitness caught her right at the very end. And so, you know, we, we rolled into Wednesday, and then Thursday, and Gold Cups, and and, and Vases, and then, of course, he won Coupis. So he's quite written four winners. He's chasing Ryan down. There's no doubt that he, you know, he, pound for pound, he's the greatest jockey I've ever put on a horse, and certainly the greatest international jockey I've seen. And it's interesting how he's influenced a lot of riders. It was, it was Ryan who said in the press yesterday, if you're going to make a jockey, you make him exactly in that mm. mold. Yeah. Incredible. The, the balance that he has. He rides so light on a horse. The smoothness. The fact that if you look at them in terms of, of the structure of the horse and its action and how he molds completely in, that is when he's in a class of his own. And Ryan is the one man internationally who can challenge him. Uh, but I, I think he's been a, a wonderfully positive influence to the riders. And I think we're blessed in this country now with some of the finest jockeys I've seen in my life. There was a great jocks room in Santa Anita in the old days, the Shoemaker, Pink, all the Olivers, Stevens, McCarran, and the wonderful riders. And this we have now in the, the quality of riders in the, in, the, in the UK now is, I think, unsurpassed. It, Ryan Moore said one other thing that struck me in that interview, John, and he... He said to, to Rishi in the interview on ITV, he said, you know, he's, he's a tough boy, he said, of, of Frankie de Torre. He said, um, yeah, he, he, know, he, he knows that he needs to be at the top and, and that's his place. And yeah, he, I, it's sort of paying tribute to a certain kind of steel and, and resilience, perhaps, that, 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 gets, that gets overlooked. I thought it was quite an interesting observation. No, they're in the jocks room together, they're in the races. You know, you look at the great tennis players, the Nadals and Federer, how strong they are mentally. And, you know, people forget, they think they make riding look easy at jockeys. It's a very dangerous profession. You're not many, you know, you're like events where the ambulance follows you around. And they're close quarters at speed and we're riding huge thoroughbreds, but it takes tremendous nerve. And the thing that's impressed me with him, he's 52 years old and he's nerve remains ice cool and that is quite some testament and it's a very easy thing for, for a jockey or anyone in any sport uh, to, to actually the, the nervous the nerve becomes fragile but he's been magnificent that way and when he's in the zone there's no one better uh, tom one day of course tony elliott and everybody involved in rogue millennium will be will be looking for a suitor for for her because she's got a, a beautiful pedigree and she's she's worth a, a king's ransom. Um, this is a pretty amazing story, isn't it? Just take us take us right back to the beginning. Yes. Yeah, so so Tony and the Rogues have obviously been big supporters of ours, and they've um, 
they came to us three or four years ago with some six sources. And uh, it's just grown from there, really. And um, I was actually uh, on the way down racing to Kempton, I think, and the, the mayor's sale was on. And um, Jackie, my wife, was there with Billy Jackson stops at the mayor's sale, and Tony wasn't there. And um, had this Dubai filly, you know, part of the dispersal, and they managed to pick her up for 35,000 guineas from Tats. I mean, how? <laughs> no, we thought they'd pay, give a bit more, to be honest, but um, oh, it's just amazing. And there was nothing amazing. obviously wrong with her, she was confirmationally correct. Yeah, I, I suppose the pedigree was, uh, she had out of a Group 3 winner, but um, you know, no... no so, hang on, so she's by <laughs> Dubawi out of a Group <laughs> yeah, 3 winner. Yeah. But uh, no, it's great, it's amazing, sometimes you just need a bit of luck, don't you, and um, luckily <laughs> we had that bit of luck that day. So, uh, and, and she was just a really good looking filly, and she's just improved and improved. And w was she class from the minute she walked in the stable? Did you think uh, something a little bit different here? No, she wouldn't. She, last year, she worked about 65, and you know, she wouldn't work particularly well at all, and she looked slow, and you know, obviously won the Lingfield Oaks trial, and we thought she'd stay the Derby, you know, the Oaks trip, absolutely fine, and um, she just, she just worried that day, and you know, Epsom, she sort of hit the front two out and just sort of... Um, didn't stay, did she? And then so from there, we went back to the hoppings and sort of ten furlongs, and she's just got quicker and quicker. And then, but then this year, when we started working her, we put her some nice walk, and she just was better. You know, she was travelling so well, and she you, you would really you wouldn't have anything good enough to take her along for as long as you want. That like she really has sharpened up so much from three to four, and um, and so it's just really it's lovely when you know you sort of then you you go to Middleton and get be some. Um, they're probably outstayed again. And we thought, well, you know, why not give the stiff, the stiff mile at Ascot a go? And um, I stupidly didn't put her in, <laughs> you know, initially. And, and they were really sporting the rogues um, to supplement. How much did the supplementary fee cost? Uh, it was 13, thank God. That's so, enough, though, isn't it? For, yeah. you know, yeah, I think to supplement first it to a group two. But I suppose, as you say, you know, if you're just trying to enhance her pace the whole time, if she can get in the first four, you know, a mile, group two, black type, or the first three, a mile, group two, black type, would look great on her page. And. Um, thank goodness it all worked out, you know, fantastic. And it worked out beautifully. And Danny Tudhope, I know it's been said many times, it's not the most original thought, but he seems to ride this track exceptionally well. It's class, isn't he? Yeah. No, he is. And, um, no, lucky to have him on board. He was just gave a beautiful ride and, yeah, it was a, it was a day we'll, we'll remember forever. And to share it with, what, 200 other owners? <laughs> There's a lot in the rows, yeah. No, it was fantastic. We had a... <laughs> Great picnic beforehand in the car park and with Tony and um, we had a lot of celebrations afterwards and uh, yeah and again on Friday we were all there and uh, you know, sort of doing a few and, um, and it is all Rishi's master plan, isn't it, to a runner in the <laughs> he, paid, runner the, he paid the thirteen grand. I heard. Well, it stumped the whole lot up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he gets a lot of money for that U.S. Masters, doesn't he? That's quite. <laughs> Well, the master plan, whose ever it was, has, has worked beautifully. It's interesting what, what Tom was saying, Russell. I mean, you would ride a lot of work on a lot of good horses. Uh, the idea that you, you think you've got one absolutely pegged in terms of what their ability level is, and then a year on, suddenly they can, they can be working to their pedigree and working like a group horse. Yeah. Um, I suppose, you know, last year when I was with, with, um, with Rafe and in the sense state occasion, she just... Mm -hmm. She started off over seven. She's ended up nearly at a mile. She's a mile and a quarter now, and she was unlucky in her listed race, but she won two massive handicaps in York and very impressively as well. And um, yeah, you, if you've seen her, she's massive. She's a big filly. You can understand how they progress with mm -hmm. just a bit of time. So she would have been one that 
you'd have thought, well, she's not much good, and then suddenly. Well, uh, she was always nice, but you know, at the start of last year, she won, she won her handicap over seven furlongs, mm -hmm. and I won it in the Stewart's room, and then after that, we went to Goodwood, and she won that impressively, and then took the massive plunge going to York, and she progressed again, and probably the day we went to Dundalk with her, she she. The place wasn't right for her. She she she's definitely better on on grass and quick ground. But we had a bad draw and we were slow away. But that's another day. But she's back this year, and you know I know she's only had the one run. But you would imagine mm. now we're getting into the height of the summer and the ground is properly quick now. She'll start to come to her own. When you get those fillies really improving, mm. get on a roll. What's next for Rogue Millennium? Are you going to go to the Falmouth and try and win a Group One winner? Uh, I think we'll go to the Rothschild. Um, as you know, John just said that. Uh, have a hard race, so I think we'll give a bit of time. Go to Deauville for Rothschild, I think. That is a group one, though, isn't it? Yeah. The Rothschild yeah, yeah. Uh, again, a mile again. Mm -hmm. So you mile think again. this is it? You think this is her? This is her? Yeah, I didn't. Dan came back in, said they didn't go overly hard, and she was sort of you know four lengths back and able to quicken up um, well. So I think you know stay at a mile and um, makes sense. I always sort of feel if you're sort of winning at a trip, I don't like changing it too much. So no, go to the Rothschild, I think. You back to you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so no Rogue Millennium. No, I know it's terrible. No Jimi Hendrix. I know, I know. No Valiant Force. No, no, no. Sorry. Mind twelve second, twelve seconds. I think I bet. Uh, uh, which was the which was the most frustrating one? Uh, I don't, I don't, well, I mean, he's always frustrating. H. Miss President. That wasn't very frustrating. Um, I don't know. I, I suppose the Gold Cup. Maybe I suppose that might have been. Yeah. Coltrane. Well, I thought, didn't you think he'd won like the kind of the second dive? I thought they, it, you know, there were two kind of changes, and I, yeah. I always thought Frankie had it. To be honest, you, thought, <laughs> you, you thought you thought you thought you might be going close at one point, didn't you? Yeah, he ran a big race, just just didn't get home the two mile four. But mm. you imagine back at two miles, he might be okay. Uh, when you when you were riding in that race, did what you were feeling echo what John Gosden was saying about about the tempo of it? Yeah, because uh, you know I. We, we'd go out and ride him as if it was just a normal race and if he stayed, he stayed. Mm -hmm. um, and Joe had gone a nice gallop but I was still on the dashboard all the way down to the bottom of the hill mm -hmm. um, and I got him back eventually and got him filled up but, you know, they're, the, my lad probably now he's up at that, that two mile distance has a lot more speed than what he had at a mile and a half mm -hmm. and probably... Maybe next time in Goodwood, we might be able to ride him a small bit, small bit colder, um, and you could you just knew he was a bit novicey in the, you know, most of them had, you know, been been over the mile and six two mile bracket. We'd only been at a mile and six once or twice, and he was just just that bit edgy from the gates and travelled nearly too strong for too long, and just didn't fully see it out, but. Yeah, there'll be a day to come in them, yes. Yeah, I saw the owner, Mark Chan, earlier in the week, and I said there is a big race in that horse at some point, but where it is down the track, I'm not quite sure. It could be Goodwood, and you'll be up against against Gregory there. It, it will be the 150-1 to 1 winner that you're going to be remembered for this week, Valiant Force. I, I, I said to you earlier, when you went out to ride him, what were you realistically thinking? I... I thought his form was okay. Like, you know, he was on his own in the Kerr in his last run. Both runs were in listed races. And, you know, he was only, what, two lengths behind Jess Carrington's. That was mm -hmm. fourth in the Coventry. That rode like a really good race. 
So I still had to turn the form around with um, His Majesty, who he hadn't done on both starts. But when I seen him, I fell in love with him. He was something like I I thought I seen Carl Burkshorst the national stakes. I thought he was different, mm -hmm. different class. But this lad was was gorgeous and mm -hmm. going to the start, he, he gave me a lovely feel. I was I was so happy on this lad. And when we jumped, I pinged the lids. Um, I think Ruby pointed out on ITV, and I just was able to control what I wanted to do and ended up Kevin went on, but. I was always, whether I had to land in front and go, I was always travelling, you know, when you, when you, you need your horse to travel to the two pole in Ascot and I travel well in, in mm. beside that and i still convinced I could have won further if someone came with me but I, you know, he just got a bit idly but, you know, it, it was definitely a memorable day. And of course, you know as well as anybody that Kia Dravchen and Amo Racing have been desperate to try and win one of these two-year-old races for, for a little while now and have chucked Chuck plenty at it as well, you know, numerically and in terms of, of quality and purchase price at the sales and so forth. Um, given the fact that you lost the job last year, to get back on a horse there and to win, what did that mean? Well, as I said to him, if I was in the job, I wouldn't have ridden him. So, <laughs> that, you know, the long and the short of it. Um, so it all, you know, it's, it's a long road that always going to turn and it all worked out in the end, you know. They still had Kevin, Kevin won on King of Steel and he was massively impressive and it topped off just a great week for them. So, you know, when, when you're investing as much as he's putting into mm -hmm. the sport, they kind of deserve, you deserve the, the top success at the, the Royal Ascots and, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it says something for, for you and him, I suppose, that, that you've managed to maintain a, a, a solid relationship. Oh, yeah, like speak to him most weeks, but it would not be all racing. I think when when we when we were speaking after the split, he started talking to me about his horses, and I was like, "No, nah, I don't want to know about them." We just talked about something else. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice. Nah, <laughs> he's like a father figure, really, in 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 certain ways. And um, no, he he definitely gave me a big uh, a big lift to my career. And again, this year without without being first him. But was there a um, a part of you last August when you decided to go your separate ways that felt that you had to you had to kind of stand your ground in order to maintain the career that you wanted yeah I, I just <coughs> you know I always look at it as you know we don't you know my dad tra trains and you know we're from a small part of Galway you know we you know everything we've done we've had to work for and you know it, it wouldn't bother me if I had to stop tomorrow morning. It would, in a sense, but it wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't be too fussed about it. I love the sport, and I love my farm and doing everything like that. But you know, if something came down the line where it was, you know, I can't remember who told me, but it's not all about racing. At the end of the day, if you narrow it down, it's horses running around the field and they're right, and you have to have other hobbies that you can just take yourself away from it and you know enjoy life on top of that and that keeps you keeps you calm and you don't want to put yourself in a in a situation where you're going to get unduly stressed it's not worth it basically is that no, what you're saying yeah because you know it, it's a hard sport it's a very hard sport at the best of times and you know it's it's you know it's not you versus the horse it's 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 you two trying to work together but 
then you have to be in the right frame right frame of mind to try and get inside this horse's head mm. in well, a minute and, and, and make it work. And is that the part of the job that you enjoy the most, just trying to figure horses out? Yeah, that, yeah, because, you know, we did a lot of pre-training as well at home mm -hmm. and, you know, get inside the... You know, most of them were national hunt horses, so they're going to be a lot trickier than yearlings and two-year-olds and they were hardy and, yeah, it was it, it, definitely something I, I'm passionate about. That's interesting that a national hunt horse would be trickier than a than a yearling or a two-year-old. Well, they're just that bit bigger. They're more mature, you know. You know, if if a national hunt horse is going to fuck you off, he's going to have a right go, whereas <laughs> a two-year-old is probably nine times out of ten, he's too weak to get you off. So, you know, that I I loved that. And, um, you know, I still, until the last year of me pony racing, was I was going on the jump scene. And yeah. I spent my time over the winter in Willie Mullins's and in the Bulgers, you know, learning learning how it was done. And yeah, you probably picked up a bit. Yeah, from those yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit, but, you know, it was good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that, the horse man side of it. We ought to just tip our cap to, to Willie Mullins uh, for Vauban this week. Do you think he'd have won the Gold Cup? No. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. I, I, were you saying James Willoughby had contacted you about that? And, well, uh, James has been doing quite a lot of work yeah. on on the Times this week, and I know this comes out extremely well. Yeah. Um, but Courage Monami actually posted mm. some, given his inexperience, particularly posted some very impressive uh, times and recorded a very good time form mm. figure. Yeah, Johnny Deneen was saying exactly the same <laughs> to me about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, but I mean, it was a kind of changing the guard Gold Cup, wasn't it? Really. Uh, in a way, I mean, obviously we had subjectivists coming back, but uh, uh, yeah, maybe. What do you think, Rosser? How close do you think Vauban would have gone? Oh, very second in champion hurdle. Everyone, everyone, always asks the question: How would Fahin get on on the flat <laughs> when he was at his prime? <laughs> what do you the think? Machine. I think he'd have been something else. But isn't it? I'm always interested in this. People always ask: Would Constitution Hill win it? Win a mm. gold cup at Ascot. I was talking about, about that to, to Michael Buckley this week. Doesn't it depend on? That would have been fun. A bit on their, their their physique and what type of horse they are as well. Oh yeah, for sure. But you know, I I just always look back on what Max Dynamite did for mm. Willie. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a top top Grade One um, hurdler, but on the flash, you know, he was something else mm. and. I think Simon Sieg as well, or not Simon Sieg, um, Wicklow Brave. Mm -hmm. um, so you would just imagine what the real tough horses over jumps would be like on the flat. You know, it would be interesting. What do you think, Tom? I mean, you're a man from a jumping background initially, but I, you barely trained a jumper yeah. under your own name. <laughs> I, um, I mean, it would be wonderful to see, wouldn't it? It'd be fantastic. I think you know the, the old, old excuse is yeah. the ground's probably a bit quick for a lot of the national hunt horses, but um, clearly, the, you know, they're they're able to do. Willie Mullins able to do it very well. So, oh, it'd be great to see. I thought I thought Karaj Monami was a really good winner today, and being so uh, in the week and being so inexperienced, I'd like you like to see. You know, you could really progress into a, a future there, champions there. Um, it's an, it's becoming quite an interesting division. I'm talking to John Gosling there about Gregory. In the in the Queen's Vars, mm. um, I, ca I can't see an obvious one to beat Tim Innocent Ledger. Can you? 
None of none of yet. Anyways, I suppose the Great Vulture is going to tell a lot of tales. You know, it's usually one of the best trials for the Saint Ledger, and I. I don't think and I I haven't looked at any of the Derby horses and thought you're going to go to the Saint Ledger just yet, but they always pop up. And you'll have had a keen eye on King of Steel, obviously, with your association with with Kia. Um, what did you make of his win in the Edward the Edward the Seventh this week? Thought it was exceptional. Did you? They, yeah, they went very slow. And they went out to beat him. And he never, you know, Kev, you got to take your hat off. He never panicked on him. He always had them covered. And uh, from what I've seen, he looks uh, a right beast of ours. Everyone was talking about him after that race on the on the way out to the car park, how, how gorgeous he was. And he's bringing that. You know his damn side's all American, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's a new line again. You know, Coolmore have been doing it for the last couple of years, but he's um he's definitely a new line, and it it was great to see. And a very good week, important week for Wooden Bassett, his sire, King of Steel sire, because he had the Coventry Stakes win a River Tiber for for Coolmore as well. The overall strength of the two-year-old races, you'll have ridden in most of them. Yeah, I thought I thought the Windsor Castle winner was smart. Big Evs. Yeah, I thought he was very smart to do what he did on his own. was was very good. Um, I thought my horse. I liked my horse in the Norfolk. He gave me a very good feel. I I I think Elite Stace will be better when he gets the six furlongs. He just looked like he was staying on all mm-hmm. the time. And and I wondered whether he was almost too laid back. He's got such a kind of seems to have such a. Such a sort of easy, laid-back way about him. Yeah, and he, he, you know, Clifford got stuck into him early in Sandown, and he all he did was extend and extend and extend all the way to the line. Uh-huh. Um, so I would imagine at six he'll he'll be he'll be very good. And I I, th- I thought the Coventry rode like a really good race. I thought that was probably the best race of the week. Did you? Yeah. The th- we there was no let off on the gallop. And do you think it was quite an attritional race? Do you think, do you think it was a race I, where I, you really had to get the trip? Yeah, I, I, I know the Times didn't say it was the best Coventry, but there was a slight ease in the ground that day compared to the rest of the, the rest of the meeting was good to firm, and that day there was just a bit of a dig in it. But I, you know, the the horses that came to the fore, the Ammo horse, um, River Tiber, and the, the, they were standouts on 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 um, on their form, and I just found it very interesting how Aiden started him off over five and a half and dropped him back to five to sharpen him up for for Royal Ascot, and it just shows he's going to be better. I'd imagine when he goes up and trip again. If we're going to ask or try and analyse how trainers pulled off certain things during the last few days, can you tell me how Rafe Beckett managed to get? Two horses in the same ownership, two different sides of the track to finish first and second in the Royal <laughs> Cup, which will go down as one of the the balmiest and greatest training performances of our time. Don't know, or is he just I, dropped no, lucky? I, 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 Jimi Hendrix. I mean, what we've seen in the Spring Cup was just um, exceptional. He, he he's been to the the three big mile rate, um, mile handicaps before pre Ascot and. He, you know, we we fancied him in the link and it didn't go right. He won the Spring Cup and then things didn't go right in Newmarket. The handicapper probably wasn't his e- at his easiest with him. Um, 
but to do what he did, you know, he showed the proper ability and he missed the break, you know. Rave told me going out, I don't mind if you make the running on him. And I ended up last, but Sonny Liston, if you go back through his form, the forms there with top horses, yeah. it was just a matter of getting him back on, on, on par. And I rode him first time in Newbury and learned a lot from him. You know, the, the dropping out tactics suit him. Mm. And um, he was always going to come forward massively from that run. And um, yeah, I, 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 I was just glad it was in my favour because no, I didn't have a lot to take me further into the race of what I thought. Well, it was a, a great performance. Mm. And, and I, I picked up on your point and put it to Rafe yesterday about the Queen Elizabeth II at the end of the year and whether that was a completely crazy idea. And he said he'll definitely have the entry. Yeah, he's won on both both. He's won on good to firm and he's won on soft ground, and I I don't know I don't know what to say he's better on because the day in Newbury we we went very slow, and between the three and the two pole I was getting a small bit outpaced a bit like Ascot, and then he came on the bridle and he just extended and I couldn't pull him up but in Ascot I couldn't pull him up either so <laughs> I, I I I do reckon he'll stretch to a mile and a quarter with, without any. Without a blink of an eye, he, so. he just likes doing it all by himself. Mm. Yeah, he's he's got his way and he figured it out. So it's better sooner rather than he's later. He's sort of kind of an antisocial character. Yeah, and you'd Im- you'd imagine in in black type races from here on in smaller yeah. groups he'll be a lot happier. So we've, we've done our part in the big handicap. Well, this is how it landed up at the back end of Royal Ascot Week with the jockeys Ryan Moore. Another jockey's title for him. It's a short price at the beginning of the week. There we go. Six, eight seconds as well. I know, he must be frustrated. There are are 35 (laughs) races at Royal Ascot, and he's been first or second in 14 of them. No wonder he was beaming in the pictures. And the the other thing, he's done it with... I know everyone realised he was riding some winners, Mm. but 14 out of 35 in the first two without... You know, that's amazing. Frankie Dottori, well, we know... The story of his week, Holly he Doyle. He spoke very well, amazing. didn't he, Ryan, about Frankie when he I came in. That was very yeah. nice, actually. Mm. I was quite touched by that. Mm. Um, yeah, as I said to John Gosden when he said he's a tough boy, I thought, yeah, mm. y- and y- you would know. And uh, Holly Doyle, uh, hat trick, um, which we're going to talk about in a few moments' time. But look at that, seven place horses as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she was very mm. involved. Yeah. And then six in the first three for the man on my right. You'd have taken that at the beginning of the week, wouldn't uh, you? Yeah, without a, without thinking an eye. <laughs> and, and Tom Marquand, again, two wins, including the win in the Royal Silks on, on Desert Hero, and seven further placed efforts. So again, a very solid week for him. Yeah, not bad in their house, was it, really? But look at that, Holly Doyle, 3-1-6. So ten in the first three. Three winners, the first female rider ever to win a Group 1 race at Royal Ascot and the first to win more than one race in a week as well, continuing to break new ground. And much of that has been done with the help and support of Archie Watson, who trained three winners and is only behind Aidan O'Brien and John and Thady Gosden on that list. And he had a second for good measure in a a red-hot edition of the Coventry Stakes. He's with me now. Um, As weeks go, Archie... I'm guessing that one ranks pretty highly. Hi, Nick. Uh, yeah, pretty unbelievable. I still can't really get my head around yeah. it. You know, um, we I think we ran 16 horses this week, but, you know, we didn't really go in with anything less than a sort of 12-to-1 chance, really. They were all sort of 
20 to 1 shots that we were very happy with that we were very realistic about so it just sort of got um, got better and better as, as the week went on and, and, and the three winners came yeah when you had your runner-up in the in the Coventry Stakes, who was a pretty pretty big prize, did you think? Hmm. Uh, did it give? Did it fill you with a with a bit more confidence? Uh, I was very disappointed because I've been telling everybody that that was my best chance of the week. So <laughs> <laughs> um, when he got beat, I thought, you know, it, it's so hard winning races there, isn't it? It was it was quite similar to when we had our first winner, Soldiers Call, um, in the Chesham. Uh, sorry, in, in the Windsor Castle. Back in those days, it was on the Saturday, and it was the race after Chesham. And we'd had Nate the Great just tinned the neck in the Chesham, and I thought then, you know, how long is it going to be until I can have an Ascot winner? Unfortunately, it was only half an hour later. And luckily, it was the same this Tuesday with Bradsell, you know. Bradsell was a, a great vindication of a of a gamble as well, a, a, a decision you had to take late to... To supplement him into the into the king's stand, what or who told you that that was the right idea? Um, look, listen, I, looking back, I probably should have had him in all the sprints all along. But he was a Coventry winner, and we were always going to go down the six furlong route this year. Um, when he ran in the the, the uh, Commonwealth Cup trial in May, you know, I thought he showed up like the best horse in the race, and he and he kicked clear, and he probably just got a little bit tired late, and so. So I put that down to that. But then when we ran him in the Sandy Lane, he travelled exceedingly well and then sort of did the same thing, didn't really finish off the final furlong. Um, and it was then really that, that Holly and I thought that we really need to be exploring the five route with him, just the way that he travels. And because it was incredibly sporting of Sheikh Nasser. Um, and like you say, a big gamble. It was £35,000 per supplement. And, um, you know, I'm just... Very, very lucky to have owners that, that were willing to do that, you know. The beauty is, of course, he's a young horse and he's he's got an awful lot to look forward to. You've got an awful lot to look forward to with him. Are you inclined still to mix and match five and easy sixes or are you just going to go five all the way through now? I don't think so, only because they're, they're pretty much on top of each other that the race is really. Um, so I'd, I'd say we'll go... I wouldn't want to go to France for the six and a half anyway. But then we go to um, go to the non talk five furlong. The flying five this year is the same weekend as the Spring Cup, so it's an either or. So we'd be we we'd go to the Curra, um, and you know the Champion Sprint on soft ground, and even the Abbey, I, I probably wouldn't be overly keen on. You know that our end of season play would definitely be the Breeders' Cup because I think a, a quick ground, flat, quick five will you know suit him down to the ground. You know. So. Santa Anita Breeders' Cup turf sprint, which this year is round the bend and not down the hillside track. Yeah, exactly. I think they tried to standardise it, haven't they? So it's a flat yeah. five at, at whatever race course they're at, but that probably will suit suit us yeah. ideally now. You know. Yeah, they've got a new. They've got. A, they built a new track just for you. Let's <laughs> hope so we can take advantage of it. Yeah. Want to talk a little bit about how you managed to? get St. Lawrence's mind right again because we all knew that he he was monstrously talented if he wanted to, to deliver one. What have you done in 49 days? <laughs> listen, listen he's, he's a very talented horse and we're very fortunate to be sent in by Mr. Deer and David Hilton and look, with a lot of these things, it, it's really the change of scenery and the, the freshen up of their minds. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do too much with the sprinters so he'd have 
probably had a very different routine. Um, you know, my my assistant trainer Chris Martin's been riding him, and yeah. he's just a very happy horse. Um, and we sort of knew I wanted to put the blinkers back on him because he'd, he'd won them when he ran a very good race in the King Stand. Um, and I just thought I wanted to sharpen him up. And we galloped him with Bradsell for Bradsell's last couple of bits, and and I kind of knew then that we got something there. And you know, he and then we just freshened him up afterwards. You know, he he hasn't done anything but tipping away cantering for 12 days now since Bradsell's last piece of work. And I'd say just just having him fresh and happy and enjoying life is is, is probably what's done it. You know. Needs to talk about your jockey. Um, who's had a, a terrific week as well, and after what's been a you know a challenging enough start to the year with the with the injury and then getting going again, she's got amazing amazing determination, amazing talent. Can you take me back to to when you first met Holly Doyle, Archie, and um, and and how the how the relationship really began to burgeon? Yeah, um, so I was probably only a couple of years into training, and Eddie Greatrex was my stable jockey, and we got a little bit bigger. <laughs> And Holly, you know, Holly had probably, um, she'd ridden out her claim and she was just in that sort of zone where it's hard to get winners. You know, I think I think jockeys like Rossa were coming through at, um, at Richard Hannon's. You know, Richard's always produced very good apprentices and, and um, you know, it was just the, the time for the next person up. So Holly, I said that she should come in and ride out for us a couple of days a week and, and then it just kind of all fell into place, you know, Sort of unfortunately, Eddie, Eddie got a bad injury with his back, and um, he was off for a long time. And Holly took over, and and, and it's really just gone on from there. Um, been very lucky that you know we've probably both sort of grown and come up come up together. And um, no, it's a, it's a fantastic partnership, you know. Can you put your finger on what makes it work in terms of your complementary personalities, or how you understand each other, or the way you communicate? Um, I think you know the, the, the fact that she's in the yard and she knows all the horses and she she loves all the horses. You know she cares so much about the yard. You know I know she enjoys riding for us more than more than anybody because she you know she knows and loves all the horses. And um, you know I, you know I think we've got a lot of trust between us. You know I've, I've been very loyal. I lost you know I lost horses and I lost owners in the early days. Um, you know because I was pretty insistent that Holly was my stable jockey and she'd ride them and she'd be riding winners on them but some owners just at the time you know now they'd be clamouring for her but they didn't want it at the time and we lost horses but we've stuck on through it and um, it's worked out it's worked out much better for me and it's worked out much better for her you know um, for me she she's just very very consistent she doesn't you know everybody makes mistakes but she you know she doesn't she, she doesn't very often and she she, she gives the horses a strong, good, sensible ride every time, and she knows exactly how I want them ridden. And you know, we we barely need to talk before a race when we're normally just jibber jabbering rather than actually discussing, you know, getting orders and stuff like that. Um, she's just a very, very good jockey. Welcome back. Great to have you aboard. Haley Turner's with us. Um, fourth Royal Ascot win. Another brilliant ride. Docklands, always travelling well. Bolted up. You're making this look, look quite straightforward now. I mean, it took you a while, but... Yeah, it was quite straightforward. <laughs> he made it easy for me, to be fair, the way he travelled through the race. Um, so, yeah, 
delighted. I bet you are. And I noticed you, you know, our, cof our instant coffee is not good enough for you. So you've had to go out and get a proper one. But unlike American Idol, we don't have to kind of <laughs> pixelate out the brand. I am a bit of a coffee snob. And um, they tried to offer me an instant one when I walked in. I was like, I can't do that. that was, <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was the only thing in your rider. It was good enough for Tom Flavor. It was good enough for Neil Channing. But I'm, um, just, I'm, just, I'm just getting some green M&Ms. <laughs> I, I did reflect on it this week when I saw that that ride and I thought you were gonna you, well, you did pack this game up at least once and the thought of the thought of that now is just ridiculous to me yeah I think um at the time it was just the reason I did it was I'd had a, an injury and um and when I came back I probably wasn't riding as well I probably rushed to come back mm. and I wasn't riding as well and it got kind of picked up by everybody and I went out of fashion, so eventually I kind of felt like I was riding well again, but no one wanted to use me. So, mm. And I was doing everything. I was riding out for everyone. I was going to the gym. I was just doing everything I could f to just try and get rides, and it just wasn't happening. And I got so frustrated, so I just gave up. <laughs> I probably should have just re like had a long break or something, but... Yeah. But on the principle of you don't know what it you've got till it's gone, it might maybe it was maybe it was a good idea because maybe people thought, oh, actually she was pretty good. Yeah, um, and also I think um, it's good to sort of step out of it and come back in for me mentally, like, but also for everybody else. You know, they kind of get sick of you after a while, so it's like <laughs> go away and come back, and they're pleased to see you again. So when when you were um, when you were first really hitting the big time. And when you were winning your group ones on on Dream Ahead, and, and you'd had the hundred winners, and you'd you know, you were you were really on a on an upward curve that didn't look like it, it was in any any danger of slowing down. Yeah. It always struck me at the time that you weren't as comfortable in the limelight as maybe you are you are now. You you seem very at ease with the with the whole business of the sport now. Yeah, I think at the time <clears throat> it was just you know there's a, there's a lot to take on and do, and you, you sort of want to put all your energy and focus into mm. into just riding and I don't find that the the media stuff has ever come naturally to me it's quite hard work and um which is funny for you to yeah. say it now because mm. you seem so at ease with it well I've I have been doing it quite a while yeah. now <laughs> and um and I've just sort of grown up and I'm more confident with what I'm saying because I've done it and I know mm. through experience and um yeah, so I don't know, it's just worked out well in the end. And how much are you enjoying the business of riding now? A lot still. Yeah. Really enjoying it. It's still it's still hard. Um, you know, long days and you know, we're getting this beautiful weather and we're all jockeys are all just sat in our cars and not able to enjoy it and you know, go and go to these festivals or cricket, <laughs> Tom. <laughs> you know, we don't get to enjoy the summery side of, you know, this but when when you get the highs like Ascot, it's yeah. worth it. But then Ascot, and then yesterday I had to go to air. So, you know, it keeps you grounded. And that's the thing. I mean, I, <laughs> you, you no offence, air. Sorry, yeah. You say you had to go to air. Yeah. Are you still are you still pushing yourself um, enough to to want to go to all the slightly smaller meetings? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think some people get the wrong impression that because I like have these winners at Ascot and you know a big winner at the York meet and I choose to do that but I just you know whatever I get given I do my best on and whether it's at Wolverhampton or um, you know Ascot but um, 
it's just the way I fall. But I, you know, I'm really keen to get to a thousand winners, and um, and yeah, I'm just keep pushing. Where? How far away are you? Seventeen. Oh, oh, so it's right, right, right around the corner. Well, you say that, but <laughs> I feel that it's, it's. I think I started counting down from about thirty-five, and it feels like it's taken forever. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping it will. I'd, I'd like to do it before the end of the year, but um, we'll see. So what'll it be? Round about York time, you'll be. Uh, oh, that'd be. You'll nice. be on the thousand winners. <laughs> that would be nice. No but problem. Knowing me, it'll be sort of Wolverhampton at. 26th of December or something. <laughs> I was just thinking, were you were you assistant at Simcox when Haley was riding Dream Ahead? Yeah, I was. It was the most incredible day, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't um, it? Unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was yeah. amazing horse. Great um, ride. What, July Cup and July Cup? Yeah, and July Cup. No, so yeah, so I went after, when he was three there, Dream Ahead. And um, yeah, it was, it was sort of nine to one that day, wasn't he? And the, yeah. and the ground sort of was a bit tight and we perhaps wanted for him. And um, God, what a horse. Yeah, to win five group ones and... Great ride that day, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and and that was for you. That was a, a really important part of your your life, really, wasn't it? That sort of w the transition from assist pupil assistant at Charlie Longston to assistant at, at David Simcox. Yeah, I mean, so I went to David and Jenny's for a summer. Ended up staying for sort of six years, and um, I suppose I can't really. They've just done so much for me. You know, I spent six years there. It was incredible, and I still see. David on the Heath every day now, and um, we chat about everything really. And um, yeah, he's done all sorts to sort of help us out. And uh, but yeah, going there and having Dream Ahead, who um, who sort of you know was trained brilliantly by him, you know, to win those five Group Ones, and and uh, uh, it was it was incredible. Nick, it's absolutely amazing. David is cool, isn't yeah, he? To to be around and and to to ride for anyway. He's just very easy to ride for because. For a trainer, he's got like a jockey's mind. He he can sort of read the races and how they're mm -hmm. going to unfold, and whatever you're thinking about the race, he'll his orders are pretty much the same, and um, and he gets it when it goes wrong as well. You know, if you're drawn wide and you've got drop out and they go slow, and it's you know it's he understands all that, and I always find it works well for me because I'm just I ride with so much confidence when I race for him because he's you know just so easy. Do you? I mean. Do you like being given very detailed instructions or would you rather kind of be left to your own devices a little I, bit? I prefer just to, you know, I, once I've watched the replays, I know the horse and, um, but yeah, the less, the less instructions you get, the better. Some jockeys have, have often said that they like talking to people who are involved with the horse, just to know a little bit, of, if they've never ridden said horse before, just to know a little bit about the horse as, a, as an individual, you know, mm. he does this or she does that, whatever, but you don't need to be told when to make your challenge, when to make your move, yeah. and all the rest of it. It's like, for example, yesterday I rode one of um, Andrew Boulding's uh, in the listed race at Air, and the girl that led me up just said, oh, watch her down at the start, because she sort of, you know, plunges her head forward, and, and she did it, and mm. luckily I knew she was going to do it, because she'd pre-warned me, and and um, I always find it helps talking to jockeys that have ridden them before, like, Oshin's very useful when I ride for Andrew, because yeah. he's, you know, he'll go into detail about the horse, not how to ride it, but you know the horse's character and what works, and um, yeah. So, and, but there are people that you know you don't listen to as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll so. come back to that in a, in, a, in a few moments' time, and I want to talk a little bit more about about Docklands and about the the burgeoning stable as well. But um, that 
might have been a very popular success with, with a lot of people, punters and race fans. So was the victory of Shaquille in the Commonwealth Cup in the colours of Breeder Martin Hughes for, for Julie Camacho, who's, who's with us now uh, with, uh, with Steve Brown. Um, Julie and Steve have been such a, a great and enduring partnership, doing great things with an awful lot of horses for a long time. But this uh, this a crowning moment, really, and uh, it's great to welcome them to the show now. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> morning. You've just had an R oh, from my right over there. <laughs> um, how, how have you guys reacted to, to, to everyone's reception for, for Shaquille? Humble, aren't we, really? The kind reports we've had back from people has been, you know, overwhelming and very humbling, really. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it was, took, us, it took me by surprise, personally, how many people have reached out and got in touch and you know obviously you know that's very kind of them and, and most welcome so it's nice to be popular for a few days eh? <laughs> I think I think the popularity might extend for a little while I mean I'm, how is Shaquille how's he come out of his race it's good I fed him next morning he'd eaten up and put him in the paddock and he enjoyed a couple of hours in the paddock Saturday morning and then um, Paige put him out again at evening stable so yeah he's in good form and, and Judy, you were, you were saying to me a couple of weeks ago that the Shaquille you see on the race course is a completely different beast from the the one that you you see at home. So has he gone back to just eating, sleeping and chilling out now? He has, yeah. And it's, it's a shame that people see the side of him at the races because that's not him, is it? You know, he's, he's good at home. No, he's a pleasure at home. We're very straightforward. We don't need to do anything too special to train him. Um, if, if anything, he slips into the background. He's not an exuberant horse. Um, he's just he's just a kind cop that um, is very engaging at home, and, and you know we enjoy having around like we do all the horses. But he, he's um, yeah he's he's found a routine that suits him, and he's incredibly straightforward. Yeah. But I but I guess that what he's he's showing on the track, I guess it's a sign that he's he's up for it, that he he he's competitive, that he you know there's just so much there, there's so much to him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've had to, the, the the thing that should be pointed out, Nick, is he's 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 improving greatly all the time um, at the races. Um, and a you know, massive we, shout out to Craig and yeah, Craig, know, Jake. Yeah, Craig because... and Jake with the stalls is, is taking a weight off our shoulders personally. Um, you know, to him, he's in good hands when he gets down to start. But before the races now, um, he was he, he never broke sweat the other day at Royal Ascot. I couldn't have been happy with him to the point that when I took him out on the track with O'Sheen, I actually thought, is he too quiet? Because he walked and trotted and hacked away, you know, and, and went down like an old sheep, you know. And I thought, mm, oh, we normally see a bit more spark than that. But as as the race, as it as things unfolded, clearly, I think he's just settling into it and uh, hopefully maturing, which would be helpful going forward. You know, um, Julie, you said you said after the race, I thought he'd blown it at the start. I don't think you were the only one. <laughs> I think, yeah. I... Now I was watching the um, jockey cam this morning, and gosh, yeah. It looks worse, I think, when you watch that than you do when you watch it live. And what what do you think he can he can do now? If you're saying that he's improving all the time and you can just iron out those little idiosyncrasies, is it possible that that actually he can take it take his his form to a to a new level still? It'd be just nice for him to do everything right in a race, really, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then you could see how you know how good he he is. I think it's. <clears throat> You know, we like to progress the horses slowly, and it's been a step-by-step situation. 
Um, and clearly to go from a listed to a group one shows he's, you know, as an athlete, he's very, very capable. Um, as I said afterwards, bizarrely missing the break meant that if Sheen could get him settled, it would never, ever be the plan to, you know, concede that amount of ground at the start of any race for any horse. But it worked in his favour because my biggest worry of the day is that, you know, if you saw him at Newbury when he won the listed race, he sort of jumped forward and he, he raced in James's hands. I'm not sure you can do that at Ascot on over race, and people would know much better than I would. But, you know, watching the races through the week, the horses tend to be a little bit keen in the first two or three furlongs. We're, we're somewhat of a sitting duck in the, uh, in, the, in the latter part of the race. So that was my biggest fear personally. And as it was, it was a total reversal of that. Um, and it worked out really well for him. So uh, we didn't really, <laughs> I have to say, I haven't really had a chat with the sheep. Because it's all a whirlwind, and you know they get, you know, everyone gets grabbed by the media afterwards. And I knew he had a busy day yesterday, so he said we'd catch up Monday and Tuesday and we'd, we'd gauge his thoughts for the plan going forward. Really, you know, but uh, you know, just an exciting time and, a, and a, an amazing day, one we were so pleased to share with so many people and and be able to express our gratitude with the, to the the owners that have got us here, you know, and supported us through quite a lot of, uh, frankly, lean years. Um, you know, and, and, and they're a massive part of this journey as well. For all they weren't present on the day, it's the, they're in our minds, you know, and, and thoughts, you know, and we, we appreciate the support we've had over the years to, to get to this stage. You know. No, he, he, he is favourite, Julie, now for the. Go on, what were you going to say? Sorry. I was going to say, and everybody at home, you know, we, we employ 20 people and everybody does a little bit, don't they? You know, it's a, as everybody says, and I know it's a cliche, but it is a team effort. And everybody does uh, a bit to make the success that we had on Friday. And he's now favourite for the July Cup. Is is that the obvious next move? Uh, yes, I think there's there's three more domestic group ones. I think I'm right saying that in of sprinting in for the rest of the year. I'd be quite keen not to overrace him uh, this year. You know, I think if we run another three, possibly four times, that would do. There's obviously, you know, we live in a, uh, we're in an industry now where there's lots of options throughout around the world. Um, you know, we'd take it a step at a time, but I would think the July Cup, and then obviously you have the, the Haydock race, um, that first sprint at Haydock and, and Champions Day. He, he's a horse that um, goes, but he has in the past gone on all ground. He's one on good to firm, he's one on soft heavy. Um, so... That's helpful when you're making a plan, and obviously in between that, you know, you want to go further afield. Um, we might go to France in in Derby in uh, early early August would, would be another possibility. But we'll sit down with Martin. Martin's, uh, um, you know, just enjoying it at the minute, and we'll sit down again early next week and and, and formalise a plan and uh, and go from there. But I mean, the main thing is the horse is fit and well, and you know, nothing nothing matters without him. So you know, we'll, we'll see how we go. Steve, Julie, thanks so much for chatting to us. Great triumph with, with Shaquille. Can't wait to see him See him next. Thank, Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Julie Camacho and, and Steve Brown, who've trained Shaquille so beautifully. Now, um, Hayley, I was interested in something that uh, Steve was saying there about the way the races panned out and how you know a lot of the horses that were up front early on those straight track races, they were, they were sitting ducks. I mean, this has become your stock in trade, really, being patient on that track. How important is it? Yeah, I find um, the Ascot straight course quite easy to ride because, especially with the big fields, um, 
it's hard to to be make to make the running mm. and sustain it for what you know because it's quite a stiff track um and you get taken on a lot earlier than ideal mm. you know on the round courses you the horses get stuck behind you until you turn in and you know there's less of a running but i i find sort of dropping out and waiting it, it just it fills the horses up for a start it switches them off but you have like you can get to the two and you can just still wait and just like pick what horse you're going to follow and the track's so wide so even when there's like 30 runners it's not like you're at the back of a 30 runner field because they're spread across so actually you only have a sort of five lengths back and yeah it, you haven't got that many to pick yeah, your way through and, it, and it's just when you think you need to go you can just you can give yourself a bit more time mm -hmm. and then you can you've, you've got time to then see what's finishing and which way to go so mm. do you almost think i want to go counter five and then go <laughs> type thing yeah i mean it obviously it helps having the right horse yeah. you know who can take you into the race um but it's just yeah it, compared to a lot of the other tracks mm -hmm. when you have to make a decision quick and uh, you know a lot of the time it doesn't pan out but I, I feel like you've got more time yeah it's interesting that because the other day so so your docklings you're on this in the stand side group mm. horse on the far side new endeavor has skipped clear of his group and has gone for home a bit earlier than you did to what extent he's so far away from you to what extent are you aware of where you are in relation to him and the and the line uh it is it is very difficult yeah. like it is um quite an unusual situation to be honest i've i've not sort of been in a finish like that very often um but i was aware he was there and i just felt like docklin's really dug deep because he's got to the front and he's had to still battle even though he's got nothing to battle with and he did you know i had to keep him going forward and he and he gave it he gave it everything till we got to the line and he's quite good isn't he he is yeah he's a, i i particularly like the way he travels um he's and he's he's quite a lightly raced horse still you know so he actually got a little bit lit up for the first couple of furlongs just because I got mm. him right in amongst them and, you know, he's not had that experience before. So I'm hoping that having that race will have will bring him on again. So And, and what I like about Docklands is he obviously goes on any ground, which is a yeah. sign of a good horse. Mm. So And th for mm. you, I mean, we had this yawning gap from whatever it was, 87, wasn't it, to your, your win in 28? 19? Mm. Was it 19? Yeah. The first one? Oh, I don't know. Something yeah, like but that. it's four in yeah. four years, isn't it? Or is it four in five years? Whatever it is. I think it's four in five years. Yes. Yeah. So, but it's four yeah. in very quick succession. Yeah. Um, two for Charlie, two for Harry Eustace. Two for Charlie Fellows, mm. two for Harry Eustace. Um, and now, kind of, no one's talking about it. And Holly Doyle had three as well. So that whole thing, we were every year, oh God, there hasn't been a woman running winner at Royal Ascot mm. in a gazillion years. We seem to have come somewhere in a shortish space of time. Have we? Yeah, definitely. And it's only going to get better. I mean, there's always going to be records broken because there has been so, over the years, there's been so mm. few um, women riding. But I think it's going to happen thick and fast now. You know, it was um, the fact that they're not talking, oh, you know, a girl's won at Ascot. And it's like, yeah, it's, yes, it's not. A, it's not yeah, a, yeah, it's boring not a, now, isn't it? Not a novelty. It's, yeah, yeah. And the same, like, obviously there's Holly, but the girls... The other girls are great. Like you've got Safi Osborne, Joanna Mason, yeah. and they're and they're all riding so well. Um, I think 
you know, the, the training that they get now and the fitness that, you know, they, you know, they can, when I was riding, I used to, I never even went to a gym. I used to sort of run at Warren mm. Hill, you know, to clear the lungs and, um, and, that, and that's about it because I was never sort of encouraged to do it and it's not something I'd ever had done before and it was just kind of staying fit by race riding and, mm. and now there's um, so many ways, you know, to keep fit and females have, don't have as much muscle as male jockeys, mm -hmm. but they do have, they can build the muscle to, to be level with them. So Holly Doyle yeah. naturally wouldn't be as muscly as the guys, but she is actually, she trains that hard that she's got more than most of them. But do you think yeah. the sport's greater understanding of that kind of physiological you know, difference and necessity has actually grown mm. to the point where it can help women jockeys that bit more? So it's like, right, yeah. you need to do this, this, and this to build muscle in the area that you need to build muscle. Is that, has yeah. that kind of science and knowledge of that science improved? Yeah, definitely. And, and your diet as well. I know it's, it, the girls don't really have to worry about their weight as much. So, you know, like yesterday when we went to air, there was um, Hector Crouch. You know, he had light, and I'm talking to him about, you know, what I'm going to have for dinner that night. And, <laughs> so and I just and I just forget. And I, yeah, I know. And he just, he sat there quietly and didn't oh. say anything. But I bet inside he was thinking, shut, shut up. up <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to, from when I started to how it is now and how it's going to be in 10 years' time. It's, it's just great to see. And so much more fun in the weighing room as well because the, the girls all get on really well. Mm. And um, it's just good fun. And is now touring Europe. Uh, and I think joins us now from Ireland. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thanks for being with us. Um, so what brings you over? What are you up to this week? So this week we arrived yesterday at the Australian Ambassador's, Ambassador's House um, here at Abbey Lee and we had the big Aussie barbecue yesterday here and was an absolute delight and a great introduction to come back to Ireland. My family on my father's side were from Irish descent so when I come here it feels like I'm just back at home. I can't believe how Irish my dad is and um, yeah it's just great to be back here. I've been here one time before and, and rode some track work for Aidan O'Brien about 14 years ago. So it's been a long time between drinks, but it's just great to be back here. And what are you up to for the next the next few days? Is it is it very much a, a sort of diplomatic mission? Uh, so we're doing a lot of travelling around, um, going down to Coolmore. Uh, tomorrow morning we're going to visit Joseph O'Brien's training setup and then we're off to Aidan O'Brien's and then Travelling around, we're going to head to Godolphin, hopefully. Um, head down to the Curra. There is a possibility I may be able to have a ride there. And I'd love to get to Jessica Harrington's stable if, if we could fit that in and if she'd have me because I think she's just remarkable. So hopefully there's plenty to do and I absolutely can't wait. So there, there is a possibility of a ride this week? There is a possibility on the Saturday. I'm not going to go too much into it just in case it doesn't happen, but <laughs> I have received a clearance to, from back home to ride. So that would be a real highlight if that was to um, to happen because I've never been to the Curra. I've heard so much about it and that would just be absolutely amazing if that was to happen. 
Hayley Turner sitting alongside me, somebody I know that you know very well. And um, the, the parallels, Michelle, uh, interest me. Hayley and I were talking about, you know, you, you, you have a, a career that, it, that is groundbreaking. You, you're pushing through barriers. You have success at an elite level. Everybody wants uh, that little bit of you. Um, you know, you then, your career goes in all sorts of different directions. You have highs and lows. And now it seems, again, you're in a position where you're sort of, that little bit further on in your career, you're owning it, you're enjoying riding again. Is Am I getting the, the, the right kind of parallel here? Yeah, look, I think after winning the Melbourne Cup, the life-changing race that it is, it was eight years ago now. It's taken me until now to really actually relax, enjoy it, get into a rhythm again. Um, as a jockey, you know, you have one job, you've got to look after yourself, get yourself in the best shape, do your best you can. Um, you know, try to make the most of every opportunity that you have and all of that. And then after winning the Melbourne Cup, my life was just completely obliterated into all different kinds of um, areas. There was a book that was written, um, a movie made, just unbelievable experiences. And here he is, Prince of Penzance, when we were able to win our greatest race and beat Frankie Dottori, who... You see here is just pulling out behind me on Max Dynamite. He took out most of the field, which, which probably gave me a bit better chance of winning and um, very grateful for him for doing that. But um, yeah, just absolutely unbelievable to win a race. It was a dream of mine from as young as five years old and our greatest race. And you see here, I just couldn't believe it. I was, I was just in absolute disbelief and relief and all kinds of emotions. <laughs> And it's you could you could have changed the course of history still. I mean, you still might be having an impact here because if Dottori had won that race on Max Dynamite, I think we'd be hearing him sort of do the, yeah, it's definitely the Breeders' Cup where I'm ending. Last night on ITV, I don't know whether he was he was thinking straight. He was like, yeah, then I'll be on to Melbourne to try and win the Melbourne Cup that I couldn't do on Max Dynamite a few years ago. So you might you might have prolonged him a little bit a little bit further i think <laughs> well i hope so because we really want to see him down there again but it was very funny on the day because i drew barrier one and frankie drew barrier two and we were chatting in the barriers and he said to me what are you doing after the races and i said well i'm going to be celebrating i don't know about you but you can join me <laughs> i said to frankie just make sure you give max a good ride because i'm going to be following you and make sure you know make make sure you do a good job and Thankfully, he got caught in traffic and uh, he didn't ride him well. <laughs> because I think it was a bit more lucky in running, he probably would have beaten me. So we hope to see him again. We love him down in Australia and he's tried many times and just one more tra crack at it. I think, you know, he, he, he could do it. And when you, when you did win the, win the Cup, obviously you were elated, ecstatic, and it, and it led to so many opportunities and everybody wanted to know you and talk to you. And you didn't waste the opportunity. You know, you, you rightly played you know, quite a few shots about how hard it had been for you to get there and also how hard it had been for women in the sport uh, in general. I think you at the time described it, as you said, racing is a, is a, is a chauvinistic sport and it, it raised a few eyebrows. But... Do you look back now and think, yeah, I actually did make a difference and I did change people's attitudes or not? Well, the way I see it is, um, you know, we've got to be given the opportunities to have the opportunity to prove ourselves in races like the Melbourne Cup and Group 1 races around the world. And 
I was the only sixth female jockey to ever take part in the Melbourne Cup in the 155 year history of the race. So it just goes goes to show how hard it was to actually just be given that chance. And we've had some incredible jockeys come through the riding ranks that haven't had that opportunity. So that was why it felt like the right time to, to stand up and say something, you know, um, I didn't know what was coming out of my mouth at that time. I was so excited. I just just jumped off Prince of Penzance, and five minutes later, they've got a microphone in your in your face, and um, I was that excited. I didn't even know what what I was saying, but um, I stick by those words because you know, in the lead up to the Melbourne Cup in the final week, there was talk of taking me off Prince of Penzance, who was a horse I'd ridden twenty three of his twenty four starts and qualified him for the race, and just knew him inside out and. Thankfully, in my favour, he had 53 kilos, so the options of jockeys was minimised and um, the trainer, Darren Weir, said, look, who are we going to put on? She knows the horse. There's very, very um, limited jockeys to ride the weight. And thankfully, I had had a ride in the Melbourne Cup previously on one of Bart Cummings' horses six years earlier, which it, it gave them a bit more confidence to give me uh, uh, the, ch the chance. So, so many things had to play out to fall that way. And then, um, yeah, the lead up into the race, it just, everything was going so well. Stevie, my brother, drew barrier one and the horse was flying. I galloped him on the Friday and I said to Darren, we are best he's ever worked in his life. It just seemed like it was, it was all falling into place. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. It was a fairy tale come true. A fairy tale that was made into a movie ride like a girl um did you like the movie um i went in with a very open mind because i thought you know i'm gonna have to like it um <laughs> the fact that my brother stevie got to play himself was the absolute highlight Teresa palmer who played me was magnificent and one of the nicest people you would ever meet she loved stevie their connection was just absolutely perfect so that was really really special for me um, Sam Neal, who played my dad, was absolutely magnificent. He couldn't have been any better as him. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a really, they did a really good job with with um, trying to replicate your life as it is. They they probably made our family look a lot nicer than what it was in real life because um, a bit more, <laughs> there was a bit more mayhem than what they, they well, sort of put in the film. But I think that was probably a good thing. How can it, I mean, the, you're the youngest of 10, right? Yes. So how can it not be mayhem? I... <laughs> Absolutely, exactly right. We had dad just raising the whole lot of us. Um, my older sisters at the time when my mum died, when I was six months old, they'd started riding. So my two older sisters were 15 and 16 and they were racing. Um, all the rest were coming through, were, were training to be jockeys and everybody was just, you know, on a course and dad was just trying to control all of these kids, get us fed, get us to school. Uh, support us everything he just you know what he did is just one of the most incredible things and he um yeah he's a very special man if if you if you hadn't ended up on a horse where would you have ended up uh well look to be honest with you, he did he would have preferred us not to ride i think because it was so dangerous he would have liked us working around the stables because he had free labor but um, <laughs> one of my sisters, she was scared of horses and she, uh, she didn't want to have anything to do with them. So she, she finished school. She become an accountant. She's the smart one of the family and does all of our accounts, accounts and our books. So, 
you know, it was up to the individual, whatever you wanted to do, but it, it just so happened that we all fell in love with horse racing and the sport and the competitive, the competitive side of being a jockey, you know, being in a big family, you're always playing games. You're always, you know, in competition. So that was pretty natural um, for us. And then to be a part of racing, which as Haley would know, you know, the adrenaline of riding a horse and, and being in a field and, and that competitiveness is, is like nothing else. How did you enjoy your trip to Royal Alaska this week? Absolutely loved it. Probably one of the best weeks of my life. When we come over here from Australia, obviously we have great carnivals and um, love the way that we do things back home. But Ascot is just so unique, everything about it. When you walk into the grounds, it's just this magnificent venue where you can't stop looking around in awe of the grandstand and just the prestige of it. You've obviously got bands playing, you've got all of the fashion, and then you've got these this, these races and the jockeys and the horses and, um, you know, the, the highest of highest of quality, and it's just unbelievable to be there. I was pinching myself that I was a part of it, really, and the other thing that blew my mind was that, you know, you have all of these owners in the parade ring so close to the action, so close to the horses. At home, they'd have a heart attack if they had had people so close to the horses like that. But I think it just adds to the atmosphere and to the occasion. And I was just, I was just so blown away to be a part of it and to be working with ITV. And of course, um, Haley was reminding me earlier that you, you rode here for a, a short while back in sort of 2000, late naughty, something like that, 2008, nine, something like that? Yeah, yeah, that's right. About 20, oh God, I think I was about 23 or, or something. Um, and I'd met Haley previously. I'd been over when I was, I think, uh, at 21 or something with Kieran McAvoy, who's my brother-in-law. He was, he was number one for Godolphin back then. And Haley took me under my wing when I came back the next time and took me to the races a few times. And um, showed me around the weighing area and just having that opportunity to ride here was was just incredible. I, I was riding out for Luca Kamani and Jane Chappelheim and they gave me, I think I had about 25 race rides here and took me a little while to get into the swing of things. I was taking off too late or I was going too early and eventually I got a winner for um, Jane Chappelheim at Warwick, which was a real highlight. And um, then was I able to head on over to Aidan O'Brien's after that and had a ride for him at Cork. And uh, I, I was off to Shantee after that to work for Cricket Head and um, George Deleuze and had a few rides over there as well. So it was a really a, a trip of a lifetime. And um, when I got home, I had my first Group 1 winner. So it must have done something for me, I think. So you're here for a little while. Then might we? I know we can't talk, talk about it anymore, but there might be a ride this week. What's the what's the plan for for your winter, our summer, and, and and beyond? What what can we what can we look forward to from Michelle Payne for the rest of twenty twenty three? So I've been setting up. Um, I've been trying to set up a really good stable of horses. I've been training now for seven years. We have a dual license in Australia where you can ride and train, and it's taken me a while to get a handle on it. Um, when I was a jockey, I was always planning ahead to look to riding, and that's why. I did come over here to work for some of the best trainers uh, like Luca and Aiden and Jane and Cricket Head just to try to learn as much as I could for when I did start training. And I thought, oh, it'd be pretty easy. You've just got to get the horse healthy and well and I don't want to overcomplicate it and all of that. But 
when I started training, I, I, I'm the opposite, you know, you've got to put so much effort into every step of the way and all the intricate details and running a business. So it's taken me a little while to get a handle on it, but um, I feel really confident now we've got a great young team of horses. We had four winners last week, uh, the week before I, I headed over here and they're all having a little short break um, to head into the spring carnival. And on top of them, we've got some other really nice horses that are ready to go. So I'm really hoping it's going to be my time to shine this next year because I think it will be my last year as a jockey and I've been, you know, trying to find when the right time was to to hang on my boots, probably a little bit like Frankie in a way where he, you know, you feel like the time's right. So I'm really looking forward to that. I uh, have some very exciting horses and I uh, just can't wait for it.